0: Hello and welcome to the Broadcast Sport Podcast. My name's Jake Bickerton and I'm the editor of Broadcast Sport. In this episode, you'll hear from Alexandra Willis, Communications and Marketing Director at the All England Lawn and Tennis Club. You'll also hear from Gavin Johnson, Group Media Director at City Football Group. Each provides a fascinating insight into the kind of content rights holders are creating themselves for their fan base. So this session is uh, all about fan engagement for rights holders. So um, we have uh, essentially Wimbledon uh, case study, which we'll be looking into for the Wimbledon channel. And also Gavin will be talking about um, City Plus and some other um, content uh, platforms that um, uh, are done for one of your, your football uh, teams, obviously Man City. Um, and there's a, a lot going on in this space, uh, you know, going direct to fan base. So we'll be sort of finding out why that's an attractive thing to do as a rights holder um, how it kind of supplements the content that's out there anyway. And, um, yeah, we've got some, like I say, some really good uh, examples that we'll be able to discuss in this panel. But before we start, I'd like to let the panelists introduce themselves properly. So Alexandra, do you want to go ahead and start with that?
1: Thank you um, very much, and uh, uh, hello, everyone. This is quite surreal, I have to say. This is my (laughs) first sort of live conference experience for two years, probably. Mm -hmm. Um, It's amazing how quickly you get out of the habit of it. (laughs) Um, So it's uh, wonderful to be here. Um, I'm the Communications and Marketing Director at Wimbledon, Uh, so look after all of our content and production uh, across all of our channels, um, our comms and, and positioning, and also some of the, the great partnerships that we have with the likes of, of the BBC and uh, and others and how we market Wimbledon to try and grow our audiences around the world.
2: Good stuff. And Gavin, Yes, I'm, I'm Gavin Johnson. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. It's bit, I don't know about anyone else, but walking in, it's like a buzz. It's like, oh, there's people. <laughs> like, Do you fist pump? Do you take your mask off? And all that kind of stuff. So it's wonderful to be here and see everyone. Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm the media director for City Football Group. Obviously, Manchester City is the, is the biggest club within the group. But, we, but my responsibilities span across uh, all 11 clubs that we now have. Um, as media director, I look after all of content. So, any content output you see for Manchester City, from the match day all the way through to the documentaries we do, uh, all the way through the social photography um, and written word, everything we do is my responsibility. I've also got responsibilities for esports as well. So, we are one of the pioneers in esports and I'm responsible for that as well. But also, I give support across the group um, when it comes to partnerships as well. So, we don't have a lot of obviously significant partners of which we amplify those partnerships via content and uh, and a lot of my team look after that as well.
0: Great stuff. Um, we'll get on to the questions next, but um, I'm aware that on the uh, displays we don't actually have the Slido number. And uh, while I was listening to the last panel, I hadn't written it down. So um, in case anyone also hasn't written it down and wants to ask questions at the end, it's um, the code is 362510 and you go to slido.com to ask questions to. Um, uh, panellists throughout the day. Anyway um, we've got some interesting case studies that we'll be looking at but first I want to find out why it's important for rights holders to get content directly to the fan base. So there's obviously lots of ways that fans can see you know, stuff from Wimbledon and stuff from like Premier League clubs and stuff so what, what kind of added value can you give them?
1: Um, I mean I, I suppose it's about being being present in in the age of our time and and in the world that we're we're living in. If you think about the the traditional model for for rights holders, it was to package up your rights and give them to others to be your your window mm-hmm. and and your way to reach those audiences, and that remains an incredibly important part of of what we do. Um, and I'm not saying this just because we're next to the BBC offices, but um, Wimbledon is what it is in this country in in you know in large part because of that partnership and the role that the bbc plays in in taking the wimbledon story to, to fans in, in this country and the same with our media partners around the world but there are these new opportunities and these new ways of reaching audiences in all sorts of different places and recognizing that there is value in in being where the audiences are and being present in those places to continue to ensure that we're relevant and um generally in in sport and, and you know i think some of what Gavin was saying around esports and, and others, it's about continually challenging ourselves to say, are we doing everything we can to remain relevant? Because there is so much out there. There is so much competition for attention. There's so much opportunity for fans to consume stuff. So making sure you're in, you're in the right places and, and that almost being a value circle, because the more relevant we are to audiences around the world, the more relevant we are to our media partners, to our sponsorship partners and, and so on. Mm.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously all our games are broadcast um, live, or at least the were last season. Now it is slightly more selected. But mm. I've only been at City for coming up to eighteen months, and I inherited a team who'd been um, renowned for innovation, and so that came like things like tunnel cam, which was a big thing that the City did. Inside City, for, you know, for those City fans in the room, is where we do like a 12-minute segment going really in behind the scenes as to what's happening at, at, at the club. Um, obviously, we were pioneers with Amazon. We did all or nothing in 2016, 2017, which is, uh, you know, and, and many clubs have, have done similar things uh, since. But, yeah, for me, working with the broadcasters around their live games, we see them very much as partners and there's a big collaboration that goes on. In fact, last season, with all the restrictions due to covid there was obviously a bubble situation going, but I had uh, three of my team Im- embedded within that bubble, and obviously the broadcasters have to be very careful at getting the players. So we we were capturing content and we just give it straight to, to Sky or BT Sport or CBS or NBC or, or it depends which partner it was. But that collaboration is really really important. But I think there's so much stuff you can do outside of the live games. Which, which we've done before, but also we try to dialogue. And I'll talk about it a little bit more. So when we signed Jack Grealish, obviously a huge superstar, big story news uh, with uh, obviously the transfer fee involved, but one of the key elements we do is we do a community project. And so we have to be very careful. So we had like 16 kids doing a really cool thing, uh, you know, with, with, the, with the community aspect of what Manchester City is. Um, but covering those those live games is not just the domain of the broadcasters as well. So. I think now that we've really amped up our live production capabilities, and this season we'll do somewhere between 30 to 35 live games on our platforms. Right. What so, sort of games are there? So, that would be so we did three pre season friendlies, all on our platforms on City, Plus, which is our mm. OTT platform but then also we cover a significant number of, of women's games where, where we're allowed within the rights. We also cover uh, EDS, which is the Elite Development Squad, which is the under-23s, and then we also cover a significant number of the under-18s as well. So across the season, we'll do 30-35 games, all produced in-house by, by the team that I look after. Mm. But also, that live element also comes to match day as well. So in the midst of the pandemic, when obviously no fans in stadium, how do we engage with fans as mm-hmm. that big, big challenge we all had? We created a match day show which um was a bit clunky to start with, but now it's this real slick operation where we start an hour before kickoff, Team News is out, we then come back at half time, we then come back at full time. Uh we've built a studio in the stadium where we where we where we film that from. Uh and it's done extraordinary numbers. Uh but it it's all about actually giving fans the flexibility to to watch what they want where they want it and um, but it complements what the broadcasters do. We can't show the rights. We, we live stream the commentary where we're allowed as well in, in between. But it's about you know, as Alex mentioned before, it's about there's so many nuances as to where you can through technology now, and obviously the price of things comes down, mm. you can reach and engage with fans on on deeper level in lots of different ways. We'll talk a little bit more about City Plus and the sort of things you're doing, the documentaries oh. and stuff
0: as well shortly. Um, Alexandra, um, the Wimbledon channel, which obviously runs during Wimbledon, gives you a kind of snapshot of what's going on at that moment, doesn't it? And I think you've got the rights to show, is it one game from every set of the matches that are happening at that time? So when you go on, you can, it's a bit like being at Wimbledon, isn't it? You kind of see what's going on in each of the different courts, and then you do interviews with the, the tennis stars after their games, you know, within the grounds, and then you go and chat to fans. And it seems to me like a really nice way of of engaging with people that maybe aren't there but would like to be there and it, and it does give you a proper flavor and, and the other thing I really liked uh, every morning I got an email with the it's about two minutes of best shots you know from the previous day and then there was like stuff that wasn't necessarily tennis that you do a little compilation of things in. and I was watching those religiously every day and I really got into it and actually probably more so than watching it on tv which is uh, you know congratulations on that but um do you want to tell us uh, you know how long you've been doing the Wimbledon Channel for, kind of what your aims and objectives are because I know there's a little bit of kind of sponsorship and um, partnership stuff mm-hmm. in there as well isn't
1: there well firstly thank you for your fandom I <laughs> know no, it's, uh, uh, it's all, all true feedback is 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 much appreciated so uh, I think it, it sort of build on, builds on, on Gavin's point around how different things come together so we had a uh, a sort of digital innovation strategy which was all about how do we make our platforms more compelling for fans? How do we give them things that they can't get from, from the broadcast offering, but that are complementary to that, to that broadcast offering? So there was that kind of innovation discussion going on. Then there was a, a rights conversation going on in terms of renewing with different media partners and making sure that those rights agreements were, were fit for purpose and trying to move away from thinking of reserved rights that we're sort of grabbing and, and competing, but actually rights that we're retaining to promote our event and and again back to this idea of this virtuous circle but also um the kind of third challenge that that we particularly have because we only happen for for two weeks a year is how in a in a nutshell do you explain what it's like to be on the ground at Wimbledon if you've never been Mm. um I don't know a show of hands how many people have been to Wimbledon um okay, so you know uh, uh, you you know what i'm I'm talking about, hopefully we have this expression to know it is to love it. when you walk into the into the grounds and you have that experience, you think, oh my god this is you know tr- this is tremendous, but to somebody in a different country around the world where maybe some of our traditions don't quite resonate or they're used to seeing what you see on TV and that you see the environment of the court, but you don't see the hill and you don't see the the tea lawn where you've got the champagne bar and the pims bar and the hot dogs and and, and all of that kind of stuff. So bringing those three things together, we basically said, we can accelerate our digital offering by having a live offering, a live um, channel. We could also uh, maximise the opportunity on different platforms. So YouTube had just launched their live stream with Felix, bam, what's-his-face, who jumped out of the sky. Um, uh, Twitter were developing a live platform. Facebook were developing their live platform. So it was another way to be present in in those environments. Mm. We want to show off the story of the grounds, and we've got these rights, and what can we do with them? And it ended up being uh, a sort of helicopter presentation that takes you around the site, presented from different areas of the site, not in a formal studio, so it doesn't feel like it's trying to be a broadcast offering. Um, it, it shows people what it's like on the grounds, but it's also something you can dip in and out of and, and, and understand you know, what's what's going on. So as you say, the live rights that we have are we can go to each court for one game per match per set per hour, which when you add that up over 18 courts is actually quite a lot of mm. live footage. It ends up being about a third live, a third features and interviews, telling the stories and bringing to life the characters of different players that people have never heard of beyond hmm. Serena Williams and, and Roger Federer and, and Andy Murray, um, and, and really trying to, to bring in that, that different audience. The great thing as well is it's helped our media partnerships because we give it to them. So as they're all developing their OTT strategies, this is extra value for them to, to put in, in those environments and those That's places.
0: broadcast partners, is it? I'm yes, concerned. our, our, our right. broadcast partners. Do people, um, do some of them show it? Yeah, the content, right? yeah.
1: Um, the uh, Sky have it on their platforms in Germany and Italy. Mm. Uh, our Indian broadcaster Star Sports run it on their OTT. Um, so it's sort of currently occupying a, a bit of a, a sweet spot for us. We haven't yet gone after kind of on demand, um, and I think you know that that's probably the next frontier. Wimbledon means very different things to different people in all sorts of different places, and and it aims to be that that vehicle to try and get that across. The other point you, you mentioned just briefly is, is it is also a great vehicle for branded content. Mm. Um, it gives our, our branded content a different opportunity to, to come to life rather than just in an on-demand mm. way.
0: And Gavin, I know that you use um, City Plus a little bit for that as well, don't you? You've got lots of interesting ways of activating kind of brand partnerships in interesting ways and entertaining ways as well. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that and then we can talk a bit about your your full feature-length documentary as well.
2: Yes, yeah, so City Plus, as you say, is, is £2 subscription every month and it covers all those live games. Like I mentioned before, 30-35 live games, but we also put long-form documentaries on there um so whether it's about you know, certain players we had one for Sergio Aguero made major argentina we had another one for David Silva obviously a great a great city player we launched a Kevin De Bruyne one last year which was uh, you know obviously an hour long documentary about Kevin's life absolutely extraordinary stuff the one we launched this summer was 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 together which was a documentary where we had our team embedded in the first team squad for the last 44 games Uh, 44 days of last season, uh, which is obviously in that time we won the Carabao Cup, we won the Premier League and we got to the final of the Champions League for the first time. And what we did with that content, uh, we had an exceptional team producing it, but it wasn't just a fly on the the wall, they were embedded with the team. And as much as, and I've got a clip in a second, you'll you'll see together in the clip, but as much as it was, we're in the changing room in the team talk in Paris before we played PSG back in April, but actually the things that people loved was the personal stuff with the players so there's a, there's a clip of Kyle Walker helping the chefs make the pre-match meal there's uh, all of the players ask for what's called riad pasta, which is riad maris's specialised pasta, and they all want the same thing uh, before every time. But also, you get to see the connection that Pep Guardiola has with the players as well. This real, real, genuine, authentic, deep connection, and the celebrations in the changing So it's actually the stuff around the edges as well as the stuff you know in the big two-one win or the draw or the defeat or whatever we mm. had. So, yeah. So, so what we created there, we created a, um, just under a two-hour documentary film and that went out on City Plus as a preview screening but then we then distributed it out on YouTube uh, and various clips we then distributed to broadcasters as, as well but I think the beauty of it and it's done the big it's been the biggest ever you know film that we've ever made and the numbers are really strong well over two million on, on YouTube but what we then did you clip it up and you put it out but what I also noticed is in like I was saying before you personalize it by platform so there's an element which we put on TikTok and Instagram Reels, there's a different element that we put on on Twitter, because different things work in different ways. But the other thing I spotted, I don't know if anyone is getting a bit obsessive with TikTok, it's very addictive, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, I then, you get served, once I start looking at Man City stuff, you get served all the other Man City stuff. And so there's random fan accounts who's just, you know, some 16-year-old kid in his back bedroom who's clipping stuff up from the documentary. And I'm fine with that. But the numbers on these, because of the way the algorithm works, this one fan account had done about a million views of of my content, (laughs) our content, (laughs) on his own fan channel. I have got no numbers that can back... But as much as I did to me on YouTube, which I'm so thrilled at, smash KPIs, it will have done tens of millions Via different platforms as well, and Mm so people are getting to know Carl Walker. People falling even more in love with Pep Guardiola. People, you know, get emotional about Sergio leaving. So it's it's an amazing thing that you start with amazing talent to create the content, but then cut it up in different ways.
0: And who produced all that content? Is that in house? So one hundred
2: percent in house. All right. The 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 whole thing was, you know, I said we had the guys embedded. We've got amazing craft editors who. who, do some cool stuff, you know, and um, yeah, the whole team, I think the title credits, we worked with a third party, but apart from that, everything was done in-house. Wow,
0: okay. And um, obviously you mentioned all or nothing uh, right at the start. Mm -hmm. This looks like a kind of continuation of that. Did you see the success of that and think, actually, we can just bring all that
2: in-house? Yeah, and I think because the players and the staff know our guys, we have a big advantage there. All or nothing was a great club. Collabor- it's before my time, but from what mm. the guys said, it was a great collaboration. Mm. But because you know, we're, you know, we're, we're in the in the first team building day in day out, and we work with the players and the players. Oh, would you mind just doing this for us? And so there's a bit of a you know exchange of benefits between the two. Mm. Um, but there's a, there's a trust element. But also, but also we know when to step back. You know, mm. if we have yeah, a yeah. bad defeat or something's happening or. We've got to keep back and also we know what we can and we can't put out because it's highly confidential in terms of tactics and things like that, which we'd never put out. Yeah. So there's there's a big trust element, which is there's always that, you know, that's a challenge. But uh, broadly, we, we you know, it works quite well.
0: Do you think your players are more relaxed because they know that it's kind of being done in
2: within their group? Yeah, it, it takes time though, and COVID is a real real challenge on that. But I mean, it, you know another example in a second where, where that worked really well actually which we'll probably come on to in a moment yeah okay yeah we, well that's another clip as well isn't yeah it? yeah okay um yeah before we do
0: um Wimbledon's obviously you know a set period of time and then you've got to wait a long period of time until it's on again so how do you keep that fan engagement going um throughout and what sort of platforms do you use
1: so um I, I think this is one of the things that we, we're debating constantly and certainly in in my time at Wimbledon's been a, a regular topic um, and we've tried all sorts of different things. We've tried uh, being relevant around the times of the other Grand Slams. Mm. And the reaction generally then is, go away, Wimbledon. We want to hear about <laughs> the US Open or um, the Australian Open. Interestingly, though, there is a role that we can play in supporting the events of, of, of those moments. And actually, uh, the Wimbledon celebration of Emirati Raducanu's win was one of the best performing pieces of content across all the different channels whether you're looking at instagram or TikTok or so on um just behind the us open so we do we do have a really valuable role to, to play there wow. we've talked about trying to leverage the facets of, of the wimbledon brand that have other big touch points so do we pop up around London Fashion Week? And we talk about Wimbledon fashion. Do we do something around tech at South by Southwest or some of these other things? Mm. Do we do something at Chelsea Flower Show or food festivals? And mm. I think those are areas to explore, but they're never going to be the kind of core audience generation you know that, that the live event um, creates. So what we've ended up with is saying, where are we strongest? We're strongest around the two weeks of the Wimbledon fortnight. That's when we have our peak Um, I think it's the most aggressive peak in Google Trends outside of the Grand National. And that is an enormous strength and something that we should continue to drive up and up. But can we broaden our shoulders around that peak? Um, The three weeks before Wimbledon during the grass court season and then the week afterwards, a period of, of celebration. Interestingly, we grew more across all the different channels, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. To Gavin's point, fans recycling content picking out the moments that meant something to them, making them their own, identifying with them. We grew more in that week of celebration than we did in the whole three weeks of the build-up. So there's a massive opportunity there um, to do more and more. One thing I'll just uh, mention finally, which I was thinking of when, when Gavin was talking, is what we're thinking about now is how do we extend our narrative through the voices of the players? So some of the content that we create and clip up, whether that's... Interviews with the players from the Wimbledon channel, whether that's press conferences, whether it's their performance in matches, how can we actually give it to them for their channels and therefore encourage them to use it at the end of the season when they're thinking about their best moments, retrospectives. And I'm sure there would have been many amazing recreations from the players on all of their channels and their accounts um, from from the amazing content Gavin's team produced.
0: Do you not do that currently then?
1: We, we do it on a more of an ad hoc basis rather than a, a strategic basis. Right. And I think it sort of, it speaks to this whole point around player, media, event, rights holder, value. Yeah. Um, tennis players feel like they give up a lot of time to the media and they don't get anything from it. Whereas actually, if you think about Wimbledon, they're on the world's greatest tennis stage. Mm. That's worth an enormous amount to them, to their sponsors and so on. But again, how can we leverage the audiences that they command to continue to keep Wimbledon um, top of mind?
0: And Gavin, you mentioned uh,
2: this other clip, um, <coughs> Conscious of Time. So should we show this? Yeah, clip I'll, then, I'll just yes. take it up quickly. So uh, part of our partnership is with EA Sports. FIFA 22 launches this well, is tomorrow, actually. And every year they talk about player ratings. So the, the setup you'll see here is Kevin De Bruyne and Phil Foden talking about the player ratings. But what actually happened was we created a second video out of this, which turned into a prank video where they pranked Carl Walker. But if you just want to play the video, you'll you'll see for yourselves how it went. Cool. So so <laughs> you can see there we got inside the, the change room at, at, at the, you know, within the uh, uh, the training ground, and it was it, it's you asked about collaboration before and trust that takes a lot of trust that Kevin and Phil. Mm trust us to do something there and you know and obviously we prank Kyle and then they all interact with it and they all share it on their channels as well so that that's your utopia in terms of when it when it goes right and so you can't do that without trust and it's we're very fortunate to get the guys to do that yeah it's very
0: natural isn't it Mm. yeah um we have absolutely tons of questions and very little time and um I'm conscious of the type of questions so I'm just going to choose a few of the very broad ones here um and uh Okay, yeah, this is it's good. It says, what patterns and trends are you seeing emerge for content on social media? Uh, what will be your approach towards TikTok? And I guess the other, perhaps, does it vary? You know, do you put different content out on TikTok to, say, Insta and Facebook? And...
1: Um. I'll, I'll go quickly. So, Um. yeah, we've always, uh, you know, had the luxury, given that Wimbledon happens once a year, so we can bring in a dedicated team. Um. We've always programmed our content for different channels and tried to make the best of the channels rather than taking one thing and just trying to put it everywhere mm. um, and i think the fascinating thing about all of the different opportunities that exist even though they're all imitating each other in terms of instagram stories snap stories and mm. and, and and all that jazz um, is that they can allow us to do really different things um, remarkably Wimbledon was named one of the breakthrough brands on TikTok in 2020 and I'm not sure Wimbledon's ever broken through at anything so that was nice to see and, and it's because it's just very natural there are things that happen at Wimbledon that probably don't even make the TV footage like a bee landing on a player's head yeah. or David yeah. Attenborough sitting there in the Royal Box with his binoculars out and you can have fun with it and you can play with it and it's, you don't have to try too hard and that's when these things really succeed
2: Yeah yeah I mean we have an in-house team with very different skills so what you saw with the documentary film with Together that would the, the, the guy who edited virtually all of that Craig that is what he's phenomenal at so it's about putting in that then with another guy Alex who leads the TikTok and the Reels thing he just has an eye for it he gets the connection with the players he's got that certain person cheeky personality where we push the edges mm-hmm. goes to the boundaries a little bit mm-hmm. and it is about um, for me having the team that Understand their different skill set and just letting them fly with it and trusting them as well. You know, these guys are a lot of trust in these guys, but they're also they're, they're professional enough to know the, the boundaries too. But it's, yeah, you've got to personalize it by different platforms. And yeah, TikTok and, and obviously Reels is an imitation of TikTok. It's it, it's absolutely flying at the minute.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Broadcast Sport Podcast. We'll have more soon. So subscribe now and I'll see you on the next one.